Greetings, church. My name is Jason. I serve as one of the elders at Church in the Square. Grab a Bible and please open to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. That's going to be our primary text. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. We're going to be considering the gospel according to Matthew during this Passion Week. So we'll look at this text for Palm Sunday and we'll look uh, further down through the story of the gospel according to Matthew for Good Friday and for Easter. And really thinking about this whole context, thinking about the context even leading up to Matthew chapter 21, it was clear they were headed to Jerusalem. And somewhere along the way, Jesus stops and he he huddles together with his disciples. He tells them everything. There would be no surprises. It's something I think we miss about the story of Jesus, particularly around this time of year as we think through the various scenes and stories and words leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection. He, w- he wasn't trying to surprise anyone. He, he's not trying to entertain. In fact, he gave away the ending. See, sometimes you and I, I think, even can approach Passion Week and it feels a bit dull. We don't feel excited. It, it happens every year. We know the story. So we go through the motions and long for something more exciting. Well, my friends, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is not trying to surprise you. He's not trying to entertain. He gave away the ending of the story a long time ago. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus give away the ending? See, as they were headed to Jerusalem, Jesus gathered his disciples and he told them exactly what he was going to do once they got to Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 20, verse 18 and 19, Jesus says, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Did you notice that? Jesus is not trying to surprise anyone. He's not trying to entertain. Jesus gives away the ending. So then we would presume that the disciples are going to walk into the city of uh, God's people knowing precisely what was going to happen, right? Not exactly. See, right after Jesus says he's going to be mocked, suffer, and die, James and John send their mom to ask Jesus for earthly glory. One wants to sit at the right. The other wants to sit at the left of Jesus and his kingdom. See, apparently they're willing to concede that Jesus can have the throne, but they want to be close by. Church, among the many things we can extrapolate from the journey, then leading to what's known as the triumphal entry, is that Jesus is not trying to surprise anyone. He's not trying to entertain. In fact, he gives away the ending of the story, but the disciples remain clueless. And often we do too. So we ought to be guarded then about our longing to be entertained. Instead, we should hear Jesus' invitation to understand. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 119, verse 30. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. God desires for us to understand him, for us to know him. His word is meant to reveal what is otherwise hidden. God wants us to know him and to know and understand his will even more than we do. This is a really comforting truth for us. And so when the disciples did not understand Jesus' words leading up to Jerusalem, he gives them another chance. How good is it 
that God is a God of second chances. How gracious of our God that he repeats himself. Jesus wants his disciples to understand. Now look at our passage to Luke, or excuse me, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 6. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in the colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the fowl of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. Now, while there is much here for us to consider, perhaps one of the most important things for us to understand is that that Jesus' words are as good as reality. Not only was there a donkey in town and a willing owner, but these words, this this act, fulfilled an ancient promise prophesied, whispered by Zechariah and Isaiah. Now, if Jesus is trying, uh, not trying to entertain us, then through these predictions and these fulfillments, then what exactly is he is he doing? If he's not just trying to impress his disciples with what he is able to predict and perform, what's he doing? Well, let's think about the character of Jesus. He doesn't entertain, but what does he do? He reveals truth. Jesus is not trying to surprise. He is not trying to entertain. He's giving away the ending. He was giving his disciples understanding. He wanted them to know that in Jerusalem, he would suffer and die, but then he would rise from the dead. Why? Why does he do that? Why does he give away the the most amazing ending of any story ever told? Because he wants them And he wants us to know him. He wants his disciples. He wanted his disciples to know who he was. And the same is true today. See, in a simple yet profound way, the journey into this town on the outskirts of Jerusalem was a living illustration of how God is always true to his word. God performs what he promises. His words are as good as reality. This is what Jesus is revealing. This is what Jesus is teaching us. So in the same way that through Isaiah and Zechariah, God promised a king would enter the city uh, on a donkey, the same way that Jesus predicted the availability of a donkey and the complicity of its owner in that particular town, the disciples were being encouraged, implored, to, to take the Son of God at his word. He was not trying to surprise them. He was, not, he, he was rather revealing truth to them about himself, about who he was, about what he was able to do, what he was planning to do. He was going to Jerusalem to suffer, die, and rise from the dead. And there's more. Can I get an amen? Let's keep reading. Matthew 21, 7 through 11. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put their them, or rather, put on them their cloaks and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground or on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the, the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna 
to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, the first thing that we should ask ourselves when we hear this particular portion of the passage is about this crowd. Who are they? And why are they so eager and excited to welcome Jesus? Why is this crowd so happy? Now, I think in most of our sort of modern comprehension of Jesus and how we think about him today, we're not surprised when a crowd gathers. He, he's awesome. Jesus is really, really good, and he's powerful, and he's generous, and he's kind. However, let's keep in mind that if we just are reading the scriptures and just reading through and following Jesus and his journey, let's keep in mind nothing in Jesus' ministry has prepared us for a large and happy crowd. In fact, just the opposite is true. Jesus is constantly saying crazy things that cause people to walk away from him and to stop following him. He says things all the time that thin out the crowd. Jesus also is increasingly committed to the education and understanding and growth of only 12 people. Those closest to him, the closer he gets to the cross. Not only so, but Jesus anticipated that he would not have a lot of company in his kingdom. After all, he he said that that the, the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life with him. This all means, as Jesus has already clarified, he could expect only opposition and death when he got up to Jerusalem. Nothing prepares us for a large and celebratory greeting that we receive. So what's up with this happy crowd? Where they came from? What's going on in their hearts and minds? Well, Jesus had already been in this general area. Just outside of Jerusalem is a town called Bethany, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. While Jesus performed many miracles, this one would have surely gotten Jerusalem's attention. Bethany was close by, and this was resurrection. So hearing that Jesus was coming back into the area and even specifically coming to Jerusalem, a crowd gathers and it grows and and they're getting excited. Many likely were kicking themselves for missing the previous spectacle. They they wouldn't be left out again. It's not too much then for us to say that, that Jesus had reached a kind of celebrity status in this city. And so he was hailed the son of David. He was coming in the name of the Lord. He was Hosanna in the highest. He was the prophet Jesus from Nazareth. But, but hear, hear this. Though they knew things about him, they still did not know Jesus. Who is this? Many of them still ask. What's up with this happy crowd? Well, I think based on what we know of the story of Jesus, know about his teachings, know about the events surrounding his entry into the city, this crowd had gathered and had come to be entertained. They wanted to see something. They wanted to feel something. They wanted to be awed. They wanted to be ooed. They wanted to be entertained. But as he entered the city, he was riding a donkey. He wasn't on a horse. He wasn't coming in force and power. In other words, Jesus was coming unlike any king they had ever expected before. Jesus was coming in humility. Jesus does not entertain. Jesus reveals truth. Jesus was not trying to surprise anyone. He was not trying to entertain. He was giving away the ending. He had already given away the ending. And in doing so, Jesus graciously then was extending to them and extends to us understanding 
this is a king unlike any we've seen before. This is a kingdom built on humility and suffering and joy. This is an eternal life which springs forth from sacrificial death. It's no wonder then, church, my brothers and sisters, that, that voices which echoed around the city gates on Palm Sunday would thin out and be rendered silent on Good Friday when their supposed celebrity would hang dead on a cross. Because you see, isn't it true? One of the primary ways that we relate to celebrities is through envy. And no one envies someone who hangs dying on a cross. Here's what we need to confess today. Like the crowd on Palm Sunday, we show up to be entertained all too often. See, it's one of the fundamental values of our current cultural moment, entertainment. It's what led former late-night talk show host Johnny Carson to say, people will pay more to be entertained than educated. And we do. But the Apostle Paul knew this long before Johnny Carson. The Apostle Paul knew this is where humanity was headed. Here's what he told young Timothy, his protege, who he was growing up in the faith. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. In other words, in our fallenness, we desire what feels good and sounds good, but not what is good. Am I preaching to you yet? Hear me. Entertainment is not evil, but it's also not central. It's not what our souls need. It's not what is real and true and good. Author Neil Postman brings this point home for us when he wrote in his book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And keep in mind, he wrote that in 1985. He said, Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. When it is delivered as easy and amusing, it is another kind of religion altogether. There is a way to be a Christian, which is both easy and amusing, but neither leads us to Christ. Neither leads us to the cross. In other words, it may sound good, it may feel good, but a Christianity without Jesus Christ and the cross is not good. Imagine that. In our sin, we have devised a faith, a Christianity without need of Christ. We've devised celebratory gatherings in the name of Jesus, which ignore the explicit teachings of Jesus, particularly his death, particularly his death. Jesus had been clear his entire ministry. He was going to suffer, die, and then rise from the dead. Jesus was clear with his disciples as they even entered into the city. He was going to suffer, die, and then rise from the dead. Jesus was clear with the crowd as he entered the city. He was in Jerusalem, in humility, to suffer, die, and then rise from the dead. But what is equally clear from the story is that people kept showing up for the thrill of it all. They kept showing up for the easy and the amusing way, but not willing to walk through the narrow gate and the hard way. They were there to feel good. They were there to hear something that sounded good, but they were not there for the good. It's something we all need to be honest with. This plagues all of our hearts. 
We have been convinced that if our emotions are elated, our senses are pleased, and our comforts protected, we will experience the good life. In fact, we even believe that through that experience, we have experienced God himself. But this completely misses Jesus coming to Jerusalem on a donkey to suffer and die. Despite our lust for entertainment, Jesus did come in humility. Jesus did reveal truth. He did not come to surprise. He did not come to entertain. He gave away the ending of the story. And in doing so then, in coming that way, Jesus gives us understanding. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and when he rides into town on a donkey, the question then for us is not, are you entertained by that? Is that intriguing to you? Is it interesting? Does that give you elation and joy? Rather, the question that we must ask is, do you believe? That's what Jesus asked Lazarus' sister. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Do you believe that Jesus is really the son of David? Or, church, does that just sound good? Does that just sound nice? Do you really believe that he has come to suffer and die? Or is that story just intriguing to you? Do you believe that Jesus is calling us to understand the way of suffering which leads to glory? Or do you just want to be entertained? God help us. These are the questions which are begged of us on Palm Sunday as Jesus, the Son of God, the King of an invisible realm, comes humbly into the city. Church, if we are honest, I think what we believe is that we can worship God without dying, without pain, without suffering, and without cost. That sounds good. That might feel good, but that is fundamentally opposed to the gospel, what truly is good. See, our reason to worship God in Christ is that the king has come in humility to take our eternal consequence. If he has not come in humility, we have no reason to glory and to worship and to praise because we are dead in our trespasses and sin. You see, he came in humility that we might along with him and by his power pick up our crosses and follow him. Do you see, it's only when we die to ourselves that we can appropriately and accurately praise the Son. It's when we hear and receive and believe the words of Jesus that we can share in the glory of Jesus. That's what's before us. Church, we must see this. The choice that we have is to either join the glory or join the crowd. And I'm here to tell you today, join the glory, not the crowd. Why does Jesus give away the ending? Jesus gives away the ending so that we can join him in the glory. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to believe that. Help us to join in that glory by understanding and believing your words through your Son that he had come to suffer and die and rise from the dead. Oh God, protect us from the desire to simply be entertained by longing for what sounds good and feels good, all the while missing what is good. We want the good. We want what is true and beautiful and righteous and godly. So help us, we pray. Help us to praise the Son appropriately this day. In Jesus' name, everybody agreed and said, Amen.